0: Welcome to the Engineering Emotions and Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Wink. Oh, got a great show for you. I have been up to so much crazy awesome growth nonsense like the past couple few weeks. Um, like, uh, at work, uh, started doing a work sanctioned, uh, certified meditation mindfulness course. Uh, so it's 10 weeks long and it's two 2 hours every friday so we get a little meditation then we get to talk about presence and mindfulness so that's that's awesome so it's like okay these 2 hours of the week i'm doing something really really cool today's topic is going to be about thoughts so you might be thinking why are we going to talk about thoughts and the question i have for you is who noticed that thought so more on that when we get get going. So other stuff that I've been up to is I've been doing uh, David David Data. He's the author of The Way of the Superior Man, which is a fantastic book on being aware of masculinity and femininity, and the way he utilizes those words is very very different. So I'm not going to get onto that. That might be a future podcast episode. But just that's been a fantastic in understanding myself with relation to my wife and to what I want to do with my life and all sorts of, you know, just great ways of coming into consciousness, noticing breathing, again, all interrelated sort of with, you know, awareness, presence, mindfulness, and just different ways to see things. And then the other thing is I've gotten into a transformational coaching program by someone named Jim Fortin. Um, and we're into week one, and it's out of fourteen weeks, and just the first week's already been incredible. And I've stopped my nonsense news addiction because we're we're going through. And one of the questions that came up is, "What is the highest and best use of my time?" And I was just like, "Fuck! It sure as hell is not like going on CNN.com and seeing the same same nonsense uh, <laughs> day in day out that just makes me angry." Why well, am I so angry? It's cause that's what, that's what keeps you coming back. That's what keeps you coming back for more. And when you are the product that ads are being served up to, then they're just going to keep you angry, keep you angry, keep you obligated, keep you scared. That is how they make money off of you and off of me. Watch the social dilemma. It's on Netflix. Fantastic overview of how a lot of these things were done. With the best of intentions, but with the unintended consequences, and uh, corporate morality being codified into law that it must enhance and pro- or protect shareholder value. That's why we see some of these decisions that are made that basically exploit us and our attention and hijack the way we feel and think. Which is all the more reason why it's important that we talk about your thoughts and my thoughts. And again, you might be thinking, how can you talk about thoughts? It's, everyone thinks true, but how often is it necessary to actually think? And you might be going, well, clearly some people need to be thinking more from what I've seen when I go out in public, and I need to, you know, go and purchase just a coffee or something. A lot of people are just not thinking. it's not. There's something to that. That's not what I'm talking about. Most of us think way too much. Thinking is a fantastic. Tool. It's something that differentiates us from, you know, all the other animals is our ability to think about the past and the future. Yet, when we do this more often than we should, this great tool becomes not a tool of creation, but a tool of our own destruction, where we obsess about what we have done, and we are worried and scared of what may come in the future, so I really like to think of our thoughts as, as a hammer. And like any tool in the toolbox, phenomenally useful. Yet there's a reason why there's a whole toolbox. You're going to want more than one tool. Hammer, fantastic if you have nails that need to be hammered in to start building a house. Yet if the house is already built and you keep using that hammer, it's probably going to get a little destructive and damaging. It's going to be harmful. So the question is, when is it appropriate to use the thoughts? And this is where mindfulness practices, like meditation, come in and getting that proper relationship with our thoughts. Because you might be saying, like, well, thinking that's thats all there is. But again, who is the one that is hearing my voice right now? Really think about that. Like, the the thought... There's the thought, and then there's the perceiver of the thought, which means that there is there is a you outside of the one doing the thinking. And the one that's perceiving the thought has a choice in the matter of, well, do I pay attention to this thought? Do I give it credibility by listening to it, accepting it, allowing it to continue down the road wherever this thought is going? Or... As the one who perceives thoughts, do I decide to place my attention elsewhere? And this is where mindfulness practices really come in and allow us to practice that relationship of seeing that we are not our thoughts, that we are the perceiver of our thoughts, and that when we have that awareness, it gives us the power to decide, one, if a thought is determined to not be productive, we don't have to do what that thought tells us. So there might be a thought that this is really scary. I should should worry about this. I should be scared. I should be scared. I should be scared. Or a thought that that was really mean. I feel really sad. And then run the sad program. Because our thoughts and our feelings are often very interrelated. It's really often a challenge to have sad feelings without sad thoughts. It's not to say that there isn't, uh, some, uh, you know, biochemistry that can happen that really, really creates, you know, overwhelming, uh, sad feelings that could benefit from the use of some, uh, you know, some prescription medications. I'm not saying that, you know, Hey, if you were clinically depressed, do you know, just go meditate, like do go see a doctor, check that stuff out. Um. Cause I've, I've done that. I've, I was, you know, super depressed in grad school and, you know, went on medication. Yet that with therapy and meditation, I eventually got off of the medication for depression and learned to have better relationships with my thoughts and my feelings. Cause the feelings can be very powerful because they're more in our body. And so it makes them seem more real. So there is the sensations that are real. Yet, the labels that we put on them, there is a choice. There is a choice. So, you, there might be a sad feeling, yet if we take the label of the sad, what are, you know, try to be as objective as possible, outside observer. So, if we go back to a previous podcast episode where I was talking about the four different perspectives, the the I, the you, the outside observer, the global, try to get into that observer Roll as much as possible that if an outside person could just sort of objectively go, like, what, is, what makes up this feeling that this human is feeling right now? It might be a tightness in the chest, a close down in the throat, uh, wanting to collapse, you know, forward and inward. So there are going to be some physical sensations. Um, y- yet, is it necessary to label that as sad? One of my favorite examples is uh, often people before going to speak because I love I've you know been in a Toastmasters for over five years and public speaking is uh, something that often people are like oh I get so anxious I get so nervous and I always like to go like well what's a how do you feel when you're excited. And it's usually like, well, you know, my I, I get some butterflies in my stomach, my heart rate gets a little elevated, and, you know, maybe I get a little, you know, and it's like, so how do you feel when you're anxious? It's like, well, my heart rate gets a little elevated, I get a little, you know, sick to my stomach, I get a little shaky. They're very similar, you know, from a feelings perspective, yet which label is more empowering? The I'm excited is way more empowered than I'm scared, I'm nervous, I'm anxious. Uh, so... If we're able to back up and see that and then choose what label we apply, we can choose what experience we want to accentuate, have more of. Whereas if we're completely unaware, we don't really know. I'm not going to say this is easy, which is why all of these mindfulness meditation practices are often daily (laughs) and they never end because there's always going to be some new experience, something that can pull us out of our you know, well-practiced, uh, what we know. But again, we can either view that as like, oh my gosh, this is never going to end. Or we can view this as, oh, more to learn, more to explore, new ways to continue to grow. Because in a lot of ways, that's the whole reason we're here is to learn and to grow. Uh, um, so I'm really curious, what do you guys think? About thoughts, have you found some space between you and your thoughts, and started to notice? Is there ways that you can choose higher value thoughts, thoughts that serve you uh, better? This is one of the things that um, self hypnosis is really trying to uh, help with, which is we often have a default thought loop. Like one of my default thought loops sometimes will just be like, oh, why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? And one, just to be aware that I have that thought loop, that thought loop, that's huge. The next step, though, is, well, what would be a better thought loop? And one of the thought loops that I have been programming myself with for almost a month now is this thought loop of, I do a five-minute meditation every day where my mantra is, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. And this is from a, a book by the author of the name Kamal uh, Ravikant, and it's called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And uh, basically, the I, I haven't read the whole thing. I read the Just Enough that got me to do the every day I do five minutes of I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. And I've been really amazed at how just that simple repetition gives me more space and more possibility to make a better choice in situations because some of my previous choices were based off of like, this is so hard, why are things always so challenging? But now if it's coming from the default loop is I love myself, now it's, oh, okay, well, I'll take an easier choice because I love myself. I'll, I'll find a way to make this better or I'll leave or do something different as opposed to things are hard. So then what, let me do a hard thing. Like when you're aware of it and you notice it, it, a lot of stuff seems completely illogical. Yet as we were talking about when first talking about thinking of thoughts and how a lot of people aren't thinking, They are thinking, just they're completely unconscious about the thoughts that they are thinking. So these thoughts, everyone's thinking, it's just they're not thinking about the most beneficial, not the highest, best type of thoughts that they could have. And a lot of that just comes from lack of awareness and lack of training. And that's really what a lot of mindfulness meditation practices are all about. So that's it. I got That's all I got for today. Is that you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts, and you can choose to think different thoughts whenever you become aware of it and decide to do otherwise. So hit me up, Justin Wink. I'm on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn, emotionsengineering.com at emotions engineering on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. You know what's working, what's not, future episodes. Also, I've been doing my engineer year career program, got three weeks done, about one week coming up. Like the students are just, they are knocking it out of the park. They are picking stuff up and I just can't wait to see the phenomenal stuff they do in their their dream tech job. So um, that's all for me. Take care, everybody. See you next time.